Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis, and I'm fired up about a lot of different subjects that we're going to dive into today. Uh, I'm going to talk about the speaker fight. Uh, I'm going to talk about crime in this country that is out of control. Uh, I'm going to talk about ESPN hiring a racist to argue that sports are racist. Uh, Disney stock, maybe not coincidentally, hits a 10-year low. Uh, The woke Walt Disney uh, Snow White is upset with a pardon my take. Uh, Let me make sure that I jot this down. Uh, Woke Snow White is upset with uh, Big Cat um, on Barstool for his jokes about Taylor Swift and... um, uh, and Travis Kelsey. So I'm going to talk about all of this, uh, but I actually want to start with this. A lot of discussion about who the next Speaker of the House is going to be. Eight Republicans decided that they don't like Kevin McCarthy. They voted alongside of every Democrat to remove him from office. And now we've got to find a new Speaker. And so far, as I know, there are two contenders right now, uh, two announced candidates. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is not going to run uh, to try to become speaker again. Instead, Jim Jordan, who I know well, he's a friend. I like him and have for many years. Uh, and Steve Scalise, who uh, is also very likable. I don't know him on a personal level, uh, but both these guys are have announced their candidacy. So we'll see whether one of them ends up the next speaker. Here is my big takeaway. And I tweeted about this. I talked about it on the show this morning, but I think it's worth talking about. I think the biggest issue that exists in politics today is there is basically a consequence-free universe that we have created. And it's very similar to fandom. And people sometimes say, Clay, you had a national sports talk radio show, and then you went over and you did, uh, and now you took over the rush time slot. Now you've got a politics current events focused show. How much difference is there? I say, really, politics is becoming sports. People say, what do you mean by that? And I talk about this some in the book, but early on when I started doing sports talk radio, I would always approach stories and I would say, okay, you are, for instance, I'm a University of Tennessee fan. If you used to listen to my local sports talk radio show, 3HL, back in the day when I was on Daily in Nashville, let me just tell you, from a pure fun perspective, there is not much more fun than growing up in a city, being a fan of all the local area teams, and then getting to talk about those teams on radio, sports talk radio, for a living. Because... It's so authentic, right? I may not be 100% rational when I talk about the Titans or when I talk about the University of Tennessee, teams that I'm a fan of, because fandom is mostly irrational. And so when I would do a radio show, a lot of times, and you'll see it on my Twitter feed too, I'm not Clay Travis, fabulously good-looking, 100 millionaire. I'm just Clay Travis who grew up in Goodlettsville, Tennessee, watching every game that any kid would have watched in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s as just a sports fan with no idea that I would ever be able to make a living 
giving opinions on sports. Whether you like it or not, there's an authenticity to my experience of being a University of Tennessee fan and a Tennessee Titans fan. And so what I mean by that is the reason why we had the highest rated show in local sports radio and the reason why we created the most successful morning show in the history of Fox Sports Radio and the reason why OutKick List uh, works and the reason why I'm now a hundred millionaire is because there's not very much difference between what I say talking to you right now and what I will say in this house later today to my wife or my kids. The difference between Clay Travis on the radio, Clay Travis in front of this mic, Clay Travis in front of television, and Clay Travis in the real world is almost non-existent, right? You can like or dislike that, but there's virtually no difference between what I will say in person and what I will say on the radio or on television. And in fact, if you interviewed my wife, who I've been married to for nearly 20 years, she would say her biggest fear all along, and I write about this some in the book, is she says, you can't say that on radio. That's a great story. You can't say that on radio. I understand that's your opinion. You can't say that. I've made a living saying exactly what I think. And when it comes to this speaker thing, I think a lot of politicians make a living not actually saying what they think. I tell every OutKick employee, what I want is smart, original, funny, and authentic. I call it SOFA. If you hit something that is smart, original, funny, and authentic in an article, in a clip, in a take, it does really well because those four things are very rare on the internet. But you almost never have any success unless you have at least one of those four. I think there are a lot of inauthentic politicians. And what I see as I travel around the country, what I saw when I was on the road for the book, uh, the book tour, people are struggling. They're not happy with the way things are going in this country. We're at 40-year high inflation. Many of you watching or listening to me right now, inflation has never been higher in your life. We're at 23-year high mortgage rates. We're about to hit 8% on the 30-year mortgage, highest in the 21st century. And it's gone from 25 or 3% all the way to 8 in the space of about 18 months. Many of you out there, if you were fortunate enough to get a 15 or a 30-year mortgage and you got a 25 or 3% rate, you're not going to move for a generation because your mortgage is so much cheaper than the current rates that you don't want to give up a 25 or 3% mortgage. And many of you who missed buying a home at a 25 or 3% mortgage are now being priced out of buying the home that you want because 8% mortgage makes it unaffordable. And I've said this on the radio, and I'm kind of joking about it. There are a lot of couples out there fighting about this because you got a couple of extra kids now than maybe you did when you initially bought your home. Maybe you've got a kid who's getting to an age where you want to be in a new school district, but you can't afford to leave the house behind because you can't afford to move into the new school district. 
And this is one of the big issues that's going on with the real estate market in general is that homes are appreciating primarily because there aren't enough homes on the market because a lot of people can't afford to move. They can't afford to leave their two and a half or 3% mortgage rate. And so it's frozen. They feel frozen in place. House is too big. House is not big enough. Mortgage is too good. You can't leave. Okay. This is important. This is what people are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Average grocery costs are up 18% since Joe Biden became president. What you used to buy for $100 now costs you $120. Used to be, and I I use this as an example because I experience it, I can't go to Chick-fil-A with my three boys and my wife and buy a Chick-fil-A meal for my family for under $50 now. I never would have believed that I would drive through a Chick-fil-A drive-thru and my cost would be over $50. That used to be what it cost to go eat with my family at Applebee's, sit-down restaurant with a waitress or a waiter. You feel it. It's wrong. Gas, nearly $4 a gallon. Every single person out there has lost money since Joe Biden became president because the rate of inflation has exceeded the rate of wage growth. We got a wide open southern border. Army Navy is playing in Foxborough this fall, and they are kicking Army and Navy fans out of their hotel rooms so that illegal immigrants can have those rooms instead. Six, seven, eight million, we don't even know the actual number of illegals have come into this country at the encouragement of the Biden administration. We're spending hundreds of billions of dollars to protect Ukraine's border and being lectured by our American political class if we don't support that 100% while we won't even protect our own southern border. What sense does it make that our American political class is more concerned with protecting Ukraine's border than they are with protecting our own border? We're $33 trillion in debt. Every year we're going to add a trillion dollars in debt and more. We're doing nothing to fix this. We spent more money to fight COVID on an inflation-adjusted basis than we did to beat the Nazis in World War II. Our political class is failing. We're at 21st century high in crimes, and I want to share you a story that I just can't stop thinking about. Guy named Chris Wright, 38 years old. Born and raised, I believe, in my mom's hometown of Chattanooga, Tennessee. My mom grew up in Red Bank, Tennessee. My grandparents lived on Trenton Street. I spent a lot of time in Chattanooga, Red Bank, Tennessee, as a kid with my grandparents right there in the Chattanooga area. 38-year-old. He's got an eight-week baby at home. He's got two little kids on top of that. Three kids. Went to Baylor High School. It's a very successful school. I wish they hadn't beaten my kids' school NBA in the state championship last year. Very successful school in Chattanooga. They had the 20th anniversary of his high school graduating class. 
He was in downtown Chattanooga. Got shot and killed by a guy that had been arrested 66 times. 66. What are we doing? When innocent dads of three are walking around in downtown Chattanooga and they get shot in the head by a guy who'd been arrested 66 times. Why is that guy on the street? You may have seen a left-wing community activist got killed in New York City at 4 a.m., completely innocent, stabbed to death. What are we doing? Why is our government failing us? And so I don't sit around thinking, oh, this speaker is going to save the nation. I don't subscribe to the idea that any Republican presidential candidate is going to fix what ails us because the failure is in us. We create the American political environment. We are not holding anybody accountable for anything. Schools shut down some places for two years. The kids who were most likely to not be in school were the poorest and the least advantaged among us. Nobody did anything. Not one person has paid a political price for trying to say, oh, your business is essential and this business is non-essential. Think about the madness that we created. Every business is essential. If you're the small business owner who's put their heart and soul into trying to be successful in this country, who's working 100 hours a week, and then the government snaps their fingers and says, you have to shut down? Nobody has borne any consequences for it. And this is what gets me so fired up. We live in an American society where everything is consequence-free for our political class. Nobody, except for Trump, who they're trying to put in prison for the rest of his life. Nobody's ever held accountable for anything. And by the way, I don't think Trump, the idea that we're allowing the sitting president of the United States to try to put his chief political rival in prison for the rest of his life is bonkers. It's absolute insanity. And so I look around and I know that 95% of Americans agree with me. You don't care who the speaker is because you can't afford to fill up your car. You don't care who the speaker is because you don't feel safe out on the streets for your kids or your wife or maybe even yourself. I did something recently I've never done before. I told my wife, don't fill up at a gas station in downtown Nashville. Make sure that you only use gas stations near us. I've lived in Nashville my whole life. I've been married 20 years. We lived in an inner city neighborhood for years. I've never said to my wife before, don't fill up at a gas station in Nashville after dark. Make sure you drive all the way home. Make sure your gas tank is full and you're only using locations near where we live now, which thankfully is very safe, which is why I live here. Every American dad is having that conversation right now. Every American granddad is having that conversation. Every mom and every grandma feels it. The country is broken. That's real. 
And so people get all fired up. Oh, who's going to be the next speaker? Only 10% of Americans can even name the speaker. No one is saving us. And there's so many people out there that are looking around and they're like, oh, this guy is going to be the savior. This girl is going to be the savior. No. The country is broken because of failure by voters. Not one Democrat who shut down their state lost. Cuomo lost his job because he rubbed somebody's belly. Not because he sent thousands of people into nursing homes to die. We hold high school football coaches more accountable than we do the politicians who represent us. Think about that for a minute. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Clay Travis, and I'll kick the show is going to keep right on rolling. You get elected to office, you got better job security than you do if you're coaching high school football. How is that possible? How have we created a consequence-free consequence world when everybody, everybody who represents us as a group is failing? I'm just, I'm super fired up about it because what people talk about isn't what really is mattering right now. And I just can't stop thinking about that 38-year-old dad who went to his 20-year high school reunion with an eight-week baby at home and got shot to death, shot right in the head on the streets of Chattanooga by a guy who'd been arrested 66 times, many of those times for violent acts. What are we doing? What are we doing? It's broken. Completely broken. And so I'm fired up about it. And the idea that somebody's going to save us, and people are like, oh, this guy's a rhino. This guy's a dino. What are you talking about? What are you doing? Like, we're at record high 21st century crime rates. We're at record high inflation in most of our lives. We're at skyrocketing mortgage rates that are locking people into mortgages for the next 15 or 30 years that they can't afford. And rates have skyrocketed so fast that people can't even move out of the homes that they may have been able to afford. And it's like nobody's noticing. And we're $33 trillion in debt, and it's never going to get paid off. And at some point, there have to be consequences for rash and unjustifiable behavior. And I just look around and people are like blithely fiddling while the nation burns. It's a mostly peaceful burning. I don't understand it. And it's bad. It's really, really bad out there. And so I understand what everybody is going through. I really do. What I wish is that that would translate into demanding better leadership. Chicago Bears have lost 14 straight football games, and they are ready to fire the entire Chicago Bear organization. Joe Biden's the worst president in any of our lives. His brain doesn't work. 
He can barely walk. They had to change the steps to allow him up and down Air Force One. He now wears tennis shoes because he's falling too much in dress shoes. And Democrats are talking about reelecting him. How in the world do we live in a universe where the standard for job performance for the Chicago Bears flipping head coach is higher than the standard of job performance for the United States president? And this is where I said what we have reached is a post-fact world. It's very similar to sports because back in the day, Ray Rice knocked his wife out. Do you remember that story? Remember when Ray Rice knocked his wife out on the elevator in Atlantic City? Ray Rice knocked his wife out. They suspended him for three or four games. I don't remember what it was before the video was released. Until people saw the video, they didn't care. Oh, he knocked her out, whatever. Knocks her out on video, people lose their minds. Ray Rice showed up. Baltimore Ravens practiced before they kicked him off the team for knocking out his wife, even though everybody knew he'd already knocked out his wife. Wasn't disputed. People cheered. I'm not trying to pick on Baltimore, but they have a statue to Ray Lewis outside of their stadium, and he was accused of double murder. Ray Lewis barely missed a game for potentially stabbing two people to death. Ray Rice wasn't ever able to play because he knocked his fiance out. Why the distinction in the treatment? Because Ray Lewis was better at playing linebacker than Ray Rice was at playing running back. It was harder to replace Ray Lewis's talent. So he could potentially commit double murder. He gets a statue outside of the stadium. If Ray Lewis walked out onto the field in Baltimore, people would stand and give him a a standing ovation right now. Why? Because he's on their team. What he did doesn't matter if he makes your team more likely to win. And the thing that used to blow people's mind when I started in local sports talk radio was I would say strip everything else away. Pretend that whatever your favorite star player is accused of, he was accused of doing the same thing for your top rival. What would your opinion be? That gap between the way you would treat your star player and the way you would treat the player if your favorite, if your most hated rival did it is called bias. As long as someone is a member of your tribe, you'll defend them to the end of the earth. If someone's a member of a different tribe, you won't. This is why precedent matters and consistency. We have turned American politics into sports fandom. Once you decide that you're a fan of a team, it doesn't matter what that team does. There are no consequences for their behavior because they're on your side. This is way more uh, pronounced now than it ever was before. But people say, you know, compare sports and politics. Sports and politics have become so intertwined, not just because of the topics that are being discussed, but because we don't actually have political parties anymore. We have teams that people root for. And when you root for a team you will not hold your team accountable for anything if your team is more likely to win with the star player out there. Think about it, debate it, discuss it, and understand that the real loser here is our country when the Chicago Bears head coach we expect more of than we do the president of the United States. All right, I'm obviously fired up about this. Um, so the, the House speaker fight's going to continue. Wednesday will be a new speaker picked, but there is no salvation based on who the House speaker is because we have to have consequential elections 
I wrote about this a lot, in order for anything to change. Uh, speaking of sports becoming politics and by any other name, ESPN has made the decision to hire a racist and let him do a story about how racist sports are. So ESPN, by the way, Disney stock, as I speak to you, is at a 10-year low. Um, the same, it's below the price that it was on January 1st of 2014. So uh, for people, it's not quite 10 years. All right, it's at a nine-year, 300-day uh, roughly low. Um, ESPN is now paying Ibram Kendi, who was hired by Boston University to run an anti-racist foundation. Um, they hired him to do a documentary series starring Jamel Hill, arguing that all sports are racist. Uh, this, this is, I think, unfortunately symptomatic of the failures in our country over the last 15 to 20 years. What do I mean by this? It should be the case that there are certain places in American life that are devoid of politics and that all of us can go. If you're sitting in a stadium, I'm a season ticket holder for the Tennessee Titans. Pray for me. If I'm sitting in the stands for a Tennessee Titans game, as I was on Sunday, and the Tennessee Titans finally beat the Cincinnati Bengals, we won, my team, the Titans, 27-3. to I was there with my third grader. Uh, my sister was also there. My niece uh, were sitting in the same seats that my family has had uh, since the stadium opened. North end zone, not super fancy seats. I still sit in the same seats that my dad bought uh, when uh, when the Titans came to Nashville in 1998. I think my dad paid $60 a seat uh, back then. I don't even know what the cover uh, price of the tickets is now. Still in the same seats I pay for them, all right? The reason why I bring that up, every time the Titans scored a touchdown, which hasn't happened that often recently, every time they scored, I turned around and I was high-fiving everybody in the vicinity of me in the north end zone. Variety of different races, probably variety of different political opinions. Men, women, could be gay, straight. I have no idea. Point on that is sports tribes cancel out political tribes. When you are in a stadium or an arena, you don't think about anything other than being excited to be a member of the same tribe, Tennessee Titan tribe. What they've done at ESPN, unfortunately, thanks to people that I believe are sadly genuinely racist, like Ibram Kendi and Jamel Hill, is they have taken the identity politics that infuses everything in the Democrat Party right now, and they have turned it into sports. So, for instance, if I give you an opinion on Justin Fields as a quarterback, I was making fun of how bad the Bears are. If I give you an opinion on Justin Fields, you don't take my opinion of Justin Fields as a quarterback of the Chicago Bears, who have lost 14 straight games, on its face value. You say, oh, your opinion of Justin Fields is that way if it's negative because he's a black quarterback. And if you defend uh, Josh Allen after he plays poorly in week one, well, you're doing that because you're in favor of white quarterbacks. It's not true. Sports is the ultimate meritocracy. All that matters is whether you win or lose. Just win, baby, as Al Davis said. 
And sports brings everybody together. You can be the janitor or you can be the neurosurgeon and you can have an opinion on the first round draft pick that you just took and whether or not it's good to make the, going to make the team better or whether the quarterback deserves a $100 million contract or not. We're all equal in our sports opinions. What they have done at ESPN, and honestly, I'd love to have a conversation with Bob Iger about this because there's no way he doesn't see it, is they have taken the identity politics that fuels the entire Democrat Party and they have put it into the world of sports. So we no longer make decisions about whether a guy or girl is the best at their sport. It's an argument about their identity impacting our opinion of how they're doing in the sport. Such that if you're a white guy on ESPN right now, you can't even say that a black guy sucks at playing quarterback because immediately the argument will be, oh, that's because you're racist. This didn't exist in the 90s and the 2000s. Best guy, best gal won. Heck, on ESPN now, they won't even say that dudes with dicks pretending to be girls shouldn't be able to be women's champions. They won't even say it. They said Leah Thomas is a women's athlete of the year. That's identity politics, not sports. And I don't think it's a coincidence that as Disney has gone woke, the stock price is tanked. It's at a 10-year low. And I, again, if Bob Iger were sitting here, I would, I would say, what are you doing, dude? You took a brand that was beloved, that everyone was a fan of, both with ESPN and Disney movies, and you decided to infuse identity politics into it, and you have destroyed the brand that Walt Disney and many of their employees spent generations to build. And for what? And I just sit around and I think to myself, this noxious, woke virus fueled by identity politics destroys everything that it touches. I can't sit and watch fucking Star Wars without somebody saying there's too many white Jedis. I, 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 can't, I can't watch the Major League Baseball playoffs without somebody complaining because there's not enough black players in Major League Baseball. I mean, is anybody out there going to argue that black people are underrepresented in pro sports? I mean, is anybody going to wave the flag if you want to play ridiculous identity politics and ask when we're going to have a white cornerback in the NFL again? How many kids can Jason Seahorn possibly have? We haven't had a white dude start at corner in forever. It's not racism, by the way, although there may be some element of racism because a coach is afraid to put a white guy out there because if he gets burned and gives up three touchdowns, the coach may get fired. But sports is about the meritocracy. The best man or the best woman wins. That's not the baseline of the Democrat Party anymore. It's the oppression Olympics. And there's so many different, I write about this a lot in the book, but you can use a guy like Deshaun Watson as an example. I don't know how many women ended up accusing Deshaun Watson of sexual assault. Some like 30. He got suspended 11 games. He ended up signing the biggest contract in the history of football at the time. 
like 250 million some odd guaranteed. Almost nobody said a word. If a white guy had been accused of sexually assaulting 30 different women, if he had only been suspended for 11 games as a result, and he had gone and signed a $250 million guaranteed contract, ESPN would have lost its mind, arguing this is what white privilege is. The reality is nobody cares about anything other than do you make it more likely that my team's going to win? I've said for years, people are like, oh, Colin Kaepernick speaks out. If Colin Kaepernick had taken a knee and said that he thought gay marriage needs to end, the same people cheering on Colin Kaepernick would have immediately demanded that he be fired. Making political statements in uniform at work, whether you're Colin Kaepernick or the fry guy at McDonald's, is a bad idea. Okay, I've written all about it. I've talked about it. I'm 100% convinced that, that I am right from a business perspective. I don't want to know who my UPS driver voted for. I don't care uh, what my uh, what my Walmart greeter thinks of uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump or anybody else, right? Just do your job. Say hi. Bring me my package. All right. The, um, the legacy here that was created is, look, Aaron Rodgers back in the day, He could have taken a knee during the national anthem because he thought ISIS was being unfairly treated. And he still would have gotten signed by 31 NFL teams if he was a free agent and he had left the Green Bay Packers. Do you know why? Because he's really good at quarterback. As long as you are talented, so long as your talent exceeds your problems, you're always going to be employed. It's the number one rule of sports. And so I see all these lies out there. And I see so few people, I mean, look, Trevor Bauer, Mel Tucker, I see guys getting railroaded every day, and almost nobody will say anything, almost no one will speak out. And I just look around, and I mentioned this woke Snow White chick, Rachel Ziegler, I think is her name, something like that, I may have screwed it up. They're remaking Snow White, live action, and they are replacing the seven dwarfs with only one dwarf. Good business for uh, Tyrion Lannister, whatever that guy's name is, uh, who was in the movie, I believe. And the woke Snow White is like, we're going to remake the entire Snow White uh, story. And so I'm like, okay, does the, you know, Prince Charming doesn't give her a kiss and she stays dead. It's a really dark story now. Uh, But she's like, she doesn't need Prince Charming to help her. Like, this is a total, whatever. Okay. Woke Snow White is upset because I saw where Dan Katz on the Barstool, one of the Barstool podcasters, podcasts made a joke about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey dating and said he wouldn't believe it was real until they put out a sex tape. That's funny, right? It's clearly making fun of the idea that this could be a joke while also simultaneously reflecting that many celebrity sex tapes come out. Woke Snow White was offended by that and said it's an example of misogyny and and the horrendous treatment of Taylor Swift by media people. And I'm like, Taylor Swift is going to end up being the richest musician in the history of the world. That's not hyperbole. Taylor Swift is going to be, assuming she lives, hopefully she will, for the next 40 years, she is going to be the richest person 
who has ever engaged in the pursuit of music since the first musical chord was created thousands of years ago. No one will have become wealthier off music than Taylor Swift. She's not being treated unfairly by anyone. If she were, I wish people would treat me that unfairly. I would like to become a multi-billionaire just off singing a few songs. Now, I'm tone deaf, so it's unlikely, but this is what I'm talking about. This idea that victim culture, the oppression Olympics, it's everywhere. Taylor Swift is not being treated unfairly. Woke Snow White has lost her mind. She's destroying the Disney brand. She's destroying the brand of Snow White, something that has existed, I think, for Disney perspective since 1937. By the way, nobody talks about this. How brilliant was Walt Disney to take stories that already existed out of copyright and make them his own? I mean, nobody talks about how brilliant that was. But he basically took all these fairy tales, turned them into animated films, and now a lot of people think Snow White was just a Walt Disney creation in the first place. That's capitalism, baby. All right. I am fired up. If you like the show, go subscribe. It's going to be distributed soon, I think, through the Clay and Buck podcast as well. Go buy the book if you enjoyed this show. My name is Clay Travis. Tomorrow we're debuting a new show. I'm going to give you all my gambling picks for college football. I'm going to give you all my gambling picks for the NFL, and I'm going to do it with my good friend Kelly Stewart, formerly of Barstool. Kelly in Vegas, early announcement. I think we're announcing it later today. We're taping the show tomorrow, so I might as well say it. Uh, She's going to be with us, and we're going to start doing a weekly gambling show. I think you guys are going to love it. She's fantastic. We'll do that tomorrow. It'll be up. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP.